0: Fly in <laughs> the last couple weeks, and I'm paying attention to the video. I'm like, all right, I gotta listen for the fly in, the angel flying in. Morning, uh, I uh, I get to uh, get to preach this morning. I get to do this uh, a few times a year. And I really enjoy, uh, I really enjoy the, the 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 time that I'm able to do this, the time that I'm able to share from God's word. And uh, this week is really funny to me that that I had I I struggled a little bit. Steve uh, laid out this whole outline of this series on angels, and uh, he gave me uh, my text, and and the, the what he provided me was one verse. He gave me one verse. Uh, as, as my as my baseline that I needed to preach from, and so uh, it, it was kind of a struggle for me uh, to, to to put this together, and it's so funny because uh, the the message is about. Uh, relying on God for His help, <laughs> and it was really funny to me as I went through the week. Like, oh, God's actually trying to teach me something uh, through through preparing this message. And at, at one point during this week, I called my wife, and I'm like, "Man, I'm I'm really coming up empty here on on a story that I could tell. I'd really like to have a story that I could tell about a time that I needed help, and I just don't ask for help that much." And, um, and as it happens, I ended up having a, a minor procedure scheduled this week, uh, and I have some stitches in my back, and I can't reach them. And so I've had to ask my wife for help all week long <laughs> with, with my back. Uh, and so again, God teaching me things. Um, just this morning, down in, uh, in the Bible study class, looking through the book of Ephesians, uh, we were talking about uh, a passage that, that when Paul lays out about the importance of prayer and uh, gets to the end of the passage and, and Paul says this in Ephesians 6, Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Um, and so even Paul, the the, the great apostle, uh, was certainly not above uh, understanding his need for help. And so I want to start this morning, before we dive in, uh, I want to start doing, doing what Paul has called, me, has called us to do. I want to go to the Lord in prayer uh, and ask for his help uh, with what we're about to go through. So pray with me. Uh, Father, uh, we rely on you. God, we rely on you for help. We rely on you for strength. We rely on you for comfort. Uh, and Father, just this morning, I pray that uh, you would help me to rely on you for words. Um, I pray that the message uh, that, that comes out this morning uh, is a message that, uh, that you want for us to hear. Uh, I pray that, uh, that I would speak your words and that I would not get in your way. Uh, it's in Jesus' name, amen. So I can only really think of a couple times in my life when I asked someone for help, Uh, besides everything that's been coming up this week. uh, Looking back through my life, uh, there were a couple times. There was a time when I cracked two of my ribs playing football and I had to uh, come out of the game and ask the coach uh, to replace me with someone who could keep up with the other team's receiver uh, because I couldn't breathe. Uh, and so he had scored two touchdowns on me already, and it was getting bad, and, and I had to admit, I can't do this. I'm going to need some help. There was a time when uh, I clogged our garbage disposal uh, by putting a whole bunch of leftover spaghetti noodles down the disposal, and uh, I tried to take the plumbing under the sink apart by myself, um, and uh, that didn't go so well. Uh, and so I, I called a plumber and asked for his help, uh, and then paid him for his help <laughs> afterwards. Um, I needed help uh, getting rid of the small village of squirrels that lived in my attic in my house in Michigan. Uh, I got to the end of my rope at one point and and, and I needed to call and ask someone for help uh, because I didn't know what to do. Um, And so I guess the question is, who do you turn to for help? We all need help sometimes. Uh, Who do you turn to for help? Asking a coach uh, or a teacher for help, that's always a good idea. Uh, they're there to help you. That's uh, kind of their job. Uh, family members and friends uh, usually care enough to, to be helpful. They usually try to help you. Um, you can even pay someone to help you. You can have a professional come in and, 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 and you know give you help like, the, like a plumber or a real estate agent or something. But um, here, here's, here's one thing I've learned in, in all my vast, vast experience. Asking the internet for help not always a great plan. Just like throwing your business like out into the open forum of the internet, like posting on Facebook, like, hey, anybody have any ideas? You might get some helpful suggestions. You'll probably get more uh, non-helpful suggestions than you'll get helpful suggestions. Don't get me wrong. I love looking things up online. I, I love, uh, it's a great way to, to find out information. But if you need help with something, posting it openly uh, is kind of a, a dangerous game. And so uh, I've got some, some pictures to share with you. This, these are some, some people who uh, asked for help online uh, with their photos. They had some photos that uh, they wanted to use and uh, they've asked for help online. Uh, this guy, They asked this guy named, James, all these are this guy named James that's, that's really good with Photoshop. And, and so they've asked him for help online with their photos. And so this first one, you probably can't read, you might be able to read some of them, but the first one, uh, they said, hello, James, can you make me taller in this photo? I'm in the middle. And so then this is what uh, they got back from, from James, the, the photo wizard. <laughs> sure, yeah, he, he did exactly what she asked for. She's quite a bit taller <laughs> than she was. Uh, this next one, the, the, the photo sends in, and he says, this, hey, hey, that guy photobombed me, uh, and it looks a bit odd. Can you remove him? Thanks. Uh, and so James uh, kindly removed him. <laughs> <laughs> I like this next one. This might be my favorite. This next one, he says, can you help me fit in with my family? I'm the only redhead. Uh, and so James, in his infinite wisdom, there you go. I love this comment. Your family is lit. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> this next one <laughs> says, uh, hey, can you add a photo of a beautiful woman sitting in the seat next to me? Uh, and so James quite literally uh, decided to add a photo of a, of a beautiful woman in the seat next to me. Doesn't make him look pathetic at all. <laughs> This next guy, this one's a good one, he says, uh, James, can you put me in Star Wars? He wants to, it's a lifelong dream, wants to be in Star Wars, Uh, and so you might see this one coming, actually, but uh, this is, there you go, James. (laughs) He calls him Curl (laughs) Oh, that's so good. This, uh, this next girl uh, is trying to get creative with her picture. She takes a picture and she says, hey, James, could you put a train behind me? Uh, like she's fleeing from a, an oncoming train. And, and so James uh, gives her this one right here, this, this gem. <laughs> that's terrifying. I don't know if that's more terrifying or this angel looking over my shoulder is more terrifying. That's terrifying up there. <laughs> Every parent's nightmare. You wake up in a cold sweat. So this next one, he says, <laughs> says, hey, would you be able to make the second girl from the right higher off the ground? I'll have, have that friend, right? Trying to take the picture. I'm like, come on, jump. Uh, and so uh, <laughs> James, sure thing, he, he, can, he could do that. <laughs> Added a trampoline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, This next one is good too. He says, uh, hey, James, I want this to be my profile pic, but I want people to know which one I am. I'm in the blue shirt. Uh, And so uh, James makes sure that everyone will know which one he is, for sure. They're all blue shirts, (laughs) all the same dude. I love it. So uh, in our angel series today, we continue walking through this. We're going to see that God uh, sometimes sends angels to help. Uh, when, when we ask God for help, there are there's times in Scripture that He sends angel to, angels to help, and um, usually it's for more important things than, than photoshopping a picture. Uh, in the Bible, there's uh, there's five main reasons that as I walk through Scripture that God sends angels. Um, he, he sends angels to deliver a message. That Steve talked about that uh, last week in as we went through the Christmas story. He'll send send an angel to deliver a message. Uh, sometimes God sends angels to protect us. Uh, a couple weeks ago, Steve walked through the story of Daniel in the lion's den and how an angel was able to protect him. Um, and then, and then uh, sometimes he sends angels to help and serve uh, believers, which is what we're going to talk about today. There are other times when angels are sent to carry out God's judgment. In a couple weeks, Steve's going to walk us through the book of Revelation uh, to talk through how angels uh, sometimes do that. And then often, uh, angels are sent to praise and worship God, to, uh, to, to refocus our our attention and, and show us how worthy God is of our praise. And, uh, and even though this series is called Angels, it's not really about angels. It's about what we learn about God when God sends an angel. So God sends an angel to, to do something and, and when he does that, we can learn something important about God. And we've already talked about protection. We've already talked about angels delivering good news. So today, we're gonna look at the way angels help believers, the way angels serve believers and what that teaches us about God. Hebrews 1.14 tells us that, that all angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Um, but how? Uh, we, we know that angels are sent to serve. We know that, that God sends them to, to help us, to come to our aid. Uh, but how do they serve? What help do they bring? And so uh, we're going to walk through a couple of ways this morning. And the first thing is this. The first thing that we learn from the way angels help us in Scripture is that God wants to provide strength in our weakness. There's lots of places in Scripture where, where God works when a person is weak and couldn't possibly have come, have come through it on their own, where God loves to work uh, and provide his strength in that moment. And so God, uh, God sends angels because he wants to provide strength in our weakness. Um, As Jesus was starting his ministry, the the Holy Spirit led him out into the wilderness for 40 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, And and a person can fast for for 30 to 40 days, it's possible, uh, as long as they're getting water, as long as they can keep hydrated. It's possible to go without food for that long, but uh, severe symptoms of starvation usually set in between like 35 to 40 days. Um, And so it's possible to go without food that long, probably not advisable. It's it's not uh, super healthy to fast uh, that long. That's really about the edge of when things start to to take a turn for the worse. And so when Matthew, in chapter 4, when Matthew says that Jesus was hungry, that's like the understatement of the year, right? Jesus, like, I'm hungry right now. Jesus, I feel like, was a lot more than just hungry after not eating for 40 days, right? Jesus was literally starving, You see what I did there? Literally, I actually used it correctly. Jesus was literally starving after 40 days of not eating uh, any food. And it's at this point when Jesus is most vulnerable. Jesus is at one of his most vulnerable vulnerable points uh, in all of Scripture. And it's at this point that Satan comes after him with three temptations. Isn't that just the worst? Satan knows when we're vulnerable, that Satan is, like, picks his moments and, and like, comes after us right at the worst possible moment. He does that with Jesus, with these three temptations. And, uh, and the first one, he tries to convince Jesus to turn stones into bread and feed himself. Um, and we know from later on in scripture that Jesus could have done this. This was within, within the realm of, uh, of the possibility for Jesus. And this is cruel, isn't it? He didn't eat for 40 days. And Jesus is like, hey, you know what? We could have a Panera right here. Satan's, you know, turn these bread into, into you know, Asiago bagels. And, and Jesus uh, says, no, you know, that, that, that's, not, that's not the way I'm supposed to use uh, the, the abilities, the gifts that God has given me. Um, and, and so Jesus, uh, you know, resists that temptation. And, uh, and then Satan uh, urges Jesus to, to prove uh, that he's connected to God with a very public miracle. Uh, that you know, jump off this temple and angels will catch you, and then everyone will see it, and uh, you won't have to go through all the hard work of convincing them that, that you're the Messiah. You just—they'll just know, right? And he—he um, and he gets through that, and. And then uh, finally, he, Satan offers to give up his own power in the world. Um, can't deny that Satan is powerful, that Satan has a, a foothold in our world. Uh, all you have to do is look around and look at the news, and you can see that the devil uh, has influence here, and, and Satan offers, hey, I'll back off. I'll be done here. I'll take my hands off of all of it. All you got to do is worship me instead of God. Just turn your back on God and worship me. You know, this is from the very beginning. Satan, uh, you know, wants to usurp the throne. He wants to, you know, take over God's position. And, and so here's his opportunity. He says, Jesus, just all you got to do, I'll make it easy for you. Uh, you just have to worship me. And, uh, and after Jesus resists all these temptations, we get this verse in Matthew chapter 4, verse 11. And this verse tells us what happens after Jesus resisted all the temptations. And it's really interesting because we jump over this verse a lot. We just pass right over it, but it's, it's important. It says, then the devil left him. In the book of James, it says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. That's exactly what happened here. Jesus resists the devil. He, the devil leaves and angels came and attended him. It's so easy to run right past this verse to the next story, but this is a big, this is a big verse. You know, Jesus is out in the, in the wilderness for 40 days. He's going through uh, this really severe trial, right? He's, uh, he's this, you know, this 40-day fast, and uh, he goes through these temptations that Satan throws at him. He gets to the other side of them, and God sends angels to take care of him, to, to, to handle his needs, it's almost as though these angels have been watching this confrontation unfold. Um, you know, from, watching from heaven and, and, and watching uh, Jesus deal with Satan in this way and now they show up to provide for his physical needs after his long fast. The angels came and attended him. And, and when, when these angels, when angels show up to care for Jesus in his weakest moment, we catch a glimpse of the heart of God. That God deeply desires to provide strength When we are weak, when Jesus was weak, God provided strength. Now the Bible's clear, again in the book of James, that God never tempts anyone to do evil. But God does use our circumstances to test our character, to test our commitment. The devil tries to use our circumstances to convince us to go against God's will. See, that's the difference between a temptation and a test. Satan tempts us to turn against God, but God tests us to teach us to turn toward him. Satan's goal is to take the difficult circumstances in our life and drive a wedge between us and God so that we turn our backs on God, we try to handle it on our own, that we stop looking to God for help. God has a goal in difficult circumstances in our life as well. God's goal in difficult circumstances is that it will drive us toward him that we will turn to God and rely on him all the more uh, to get through the difficulty. And God sends angels to strengthen Jesus physically after his ordeal in the desert, but that's not the only way he's strengthening Jesus in this story. God also uses these temptations that the devil throws at Jesus as a way to strengthen Jesus spiritually for the ministry he's he's about to embark on. Jesus is about to start this ministry, and yes, he's super hungry, uh, and God strengthens him by, by providing for his physical needs, but God also lets Jesus go through this really difficult trial that the devil's throwing at him, because that also is strengthening for Jesus. Um, we don't like that kind of strengthening. We like the angels show up and, with the buffet, but we don't like that God lets us go through the hard stuff. Like, we would rather that not happen. Like, just more buffet and less difficulty in my life would be, would be great, God. But, but God strengthens us both ways. God strengthens us with blessings in our life, but he also strengthens us by letting us go through difficult things. Um, because uh, strengthening someone uh, is difficult. You know, Satan is trying to foil God's plan. Uh, Satan's trying to to disqualify Jesus uh, as a perfect Savior. If he can get Jesus to sin up front, then Jesus can't be a a sacrifice for our sins. Uh, But God uses this as an opportunity to prepare Jesus for what he's going to face in the future. Now, it's important to understand that being tempted is not sin. Giving into temptation leads us into sin, but being tempted is not sinful. Uh, Hebrews says that Jesus was tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So being tempted to do something sinful doesn't make you a bad person. That's not a sin. We're all tempted. It's what happens next uh, that, 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 that leads to sin or not. Uh, and so temptation isn't sin. It's, it's uh, what happens afterwards. And temptation isn't always about getting us to, to sin blatantly. You know, temptation isn't always like, you know, man, I'm really tempted to just like walk up to this stranger and punch him in the face. Like, clearly that wouldn't be great. That's, that's you know, not a, a, a holy response. That'd be sinful. But temptation isn't always like that. In fact, most of the time it's not like that. Most of the time temptation is, is you know, we're tempted to do something that, that seems like it'd be fine. Like it seems okay or, or even maybe even right in the moment, uh, but it's a little twisted. Um, you know, Satan understands that, that someone who's been following Jesus for a long time can see through the temptation, like, okay, I know I'm not supposed to punch that guy in the face, but, you know, what if I just talk about him a lot under my breath? You know, what if I just, what if I just get angry in the car and, and, like, swear a bunch? Like, that's probably okay. And, and so the temptation is, like, less than, like, obvious. Uh, it's not always obvious. It's not inherently wrong for Jesus to take stones and turn them into bread. Doing that, like that act in and of itself, isn't wrong. Jesus could have done that. There's nothing in scripture that says he's not allowed to do that. But in these circumstances, in this moment, that would have been a shortcut of what God was trying to accomplish in Jesus' life. Jesus understood, this isn't what God wants from me in this moment. And so, yes, it would be a sin for me to do this because it would be me turning my back on what what it is that God wants from me in this moment right now. God sent Jesus to the wilderness to fast, to fast. So that he uh, would experience what it feels like to depend on God. Uh, you know, Jesus was fully human. We get this idea that he, understand, he understood everything, but he, he came into the world as a baby. And Steve talked about this last week. He had all, all the experiences of a human baby. And as he grew up, he had all the experiences of hu- a human person growing up. And so Jesus needed to experience physically what it is like to have to depend on God. And shortcutting it this way would have been a sin. It would have been disobeying what, what God wanted for him. And Satan offers Jesus shortcuts on all these things, honestly. All three of these things are shortcuts. He could prove that he's the Messiah with some big miracle, and he could shortcut all the hard stuff in his ministry. Uh, He could simply serve Satan so that he could shortcut the pain of dying for all of our sins. He could have avoided all of it. And Jesus passes the test because he chooses to rely on God rather than handle things himself. And then God gives him the strength that he needs. He gives him the strength that he needs both physically and and spiritually um, to to rely on him. Now, the other thing that we learn from the way angels help us is that God wants to provide comfort in our pain. God wants to provide strength in our weakness, but we also see in Scripture that God wants to provide comfort in our pain. Near the end of Jesus' ministry... um, this kind of bookends, you know, the beginning of his ministry in the desert. Near the end of his ministry, right before he would go to the cross, he turned to God during a a night of prayer, uh, right before he was arrested in in the garden. And and this is in uh, Luke chapter 22. We're going to read a few of these verses together. In Luke chapter 22, starting in verse 39, uh, Jesus is here in, in the garden. It says, And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. When he rose from prayer went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Jesus, in a moment of brutal honesty, Jesus asks God to, to change his plan. Take this cup away from me. If there's any other way, if there's any other way, Jesus wants God to take it. If there's, if there's any other way we can accomplish this, can we, can we please do it that way instead? But if there's no other way, Jesus places his trust in God's plan. This is, this is an amazing prayer. I mean, Jesus lays everything out before God with brutal honesty. He brings uh, all of his feelings. Uh, he brings his doubts. He brings his, man, I really don't want to, I know this is the way you, you want things done, but it isn't really what I want. Is there any other way? Could we maybe work something out here, God? And, and he's, he brings it, all his, his emotions, all the, all the emotions you would expect from someone facing uh, what Jesus was facing. And, uh, and he brings it to God. And I love this. Because here in this story, here's a Jesus who can identify with us. Here's a Jesus who understands our weaknesses. He understands our pain. He understands our, our trauma because he experienced it himself. Uh, here, here's a Savior who's depending on God and committed to doing God's will. Who faces the trial by turning toward God instead of away from God. Who, who's not afraid to share his intense emotions with God in prayer. And God responds to him. In verse 43, a verse, again, that I have always just glossed right over. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Right in the midst of this moment of pain in the garden, God sends an angel. And God doesn't grant the request that Jesus brings him. He does not grant his request to do it a different way. But he does give Jesus the strength to face what God has called him to do. Jesus takes his pain and his need to God in his prayer and God provides the comfort that he's going to need to keep moving forward. And by sending an angel to Jesus in this moment, God communicates that Jesus is not alone as he faces what's coming up. The disciples underestimated the significance of the moment and they fell asleep. And before we're too hard on them, I think we're kind of like that. I know, I know I'm kind of like that. that. That when we're busiest, when we're most stressed out, we neglect to take the time to go to God. Uh, and we just wallow in our exhaustion, in our emotional pain. Um, you know, wallow is not a word that I use a lot. I thought about changing that, but I feel like that's a perfect word for, for what I do. Uh, instead of turning to God, I just kind of sit in the filth of my, of my emotions and my pain and my, and my hurt uh, rather, rather than turning to God. And we put these things off. We, we, we hope that somehow things are just gonna resolve on their own. And instead of turning to God, we go to sleep. We just turn everything off and, and, and we go to sleep and we think maybe when I wake up, things will be better. And It's just, it's just not. Ignoring pain uh, isn't a resolution. Ignoring pain doesn't bring comfort, um, but God does. God brings comfort time and time again in Scripture. And I think it's so important that the confrontation with God, because Jesus goes to God and he says, I don't want to do it this way. I want to do it differently. God, I don't like what you've laid out for me. Is there another way, you know, the confrontation with God that takes place when we come to him in an honest, real moment of prayer leads us to a peace and a comfort that we need to be able to trust him and take our next steps to obedience. This confrontation is an important step to comfort. A lot of times when you go into prayer, the confrontation comes before the comfort. Before God can comfort me, I have to get everything all out on the table. If I'm angry with God, bottling it all up doesn't do me any good. God is big enough to handle my anger. If I bring it to him and, and have this confrontation, that's the thing that can lead me to the peace and the comfort that I so desperately need in the moment. When Jesus was at his most vulnerable emotionally, he turned to God, and God provided comfort in his pain. See, when angels show up to help in the Bible, they show us God's desire to provide strength in our weakness and comfort in our pain, because that is at the core of who God is. I want to share another passage with you this morning. Paul lays this whole thing out in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Paul says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. Paul uses the word comfort in this paragraph more than it, any other paragraph in the whole Bible. See, we serve a God who is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. That's who he is. Don't get it confused with, with, you know, we know that that's who he is because we've seen him do those things, but Paul doesn't say God loves to show compassion and God really likes to comfort you. Paul says this is the identity of God. He is the father of compassion. He is the God of all comfort. It's who God is It's part of his identity. His actions flow from his identity. And so because God is the father of compassion and the God of all comfort, he provides comfort. It's who he is. His actions flow from his character. Now, he may not always provide comfort in the ways we think he should, but that doesn't change who he is. God provides the comfort that we need maybe not the comfort that we want in the moment, but the comfort that we need. And the comfort that we get from God is more than just a feeling of relief, uh, more than just this feeling that we're supported. Um, It's peace in the middle of a storm, because we trust in God's ability to rescue us. Our our emotional comfort doesn't come from inside of ourselves. Most self-help books talk about reaching inside, and that's useless. I, it, it comes from God's commitment to sustain and save his people no matter what. Our comfort comes from outside of ourselves. Unless you want to talk about the Holy Spirit living inside of us, and then I can buy that, 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 that my comfort comes from the spirit inside of me. But most of these self-help books are talking about reaching deep inside and finding the strength within us. No, no, no. no. My strength is not within me. My, my strength comes from the Lord. And, and he's happy to provide, provide comfort and strength when I turn to him. There's a couple interesting words in this passage. The word for troubles in verse four refers to emotional or spiritual distress, emotional or spiritual pain, kind of like what Jesus went through when he was praying in the garden. He was in anguish, it said. Um, And the word for sufferings in verse five refers to misfortune, physical pain. Uh, Even death sometimes it can refer to. Um, And that's similar to what Jesus went through when he fasted in the desert. What Jesus went through while, uh, while he was on his way to the cross. Physical pain and emotional pain. Paul includes both of these things. All these different kinds of pain. And Paul is confident in verse five that what God did for Jesus in his suffering, God will also do for Paul. And what God will do for Paul, God will do for all of us. Paul lays this out really clearly. Since we uh, share in the sufferings of Jesus, we also share in the comfort that God has given to Jesus. And so when we look at stories like the one uh, where God sends an angel to Jesus in the desert, when we look at stories like the one where God sends an angel to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, we can be confident that God will do the same for us. He'll do it for Jesus. He'll do it for Paul. He'll do it for all of us. God's people aren't immune to suffering and hard times. Following Jesus doesn't mean you won't go through hard stuff. It doesn't mean you won't go through emotional illness or physical sickness or financial problems. And not not only does Paul experience those kinds of things himself, you know, if Paul is going to go through all the stuff that Paul went through, what makes us think that we're any better? Paul experienced all these kinds of things himself, but Paul anticipates that we will too, Like it or not, Paul lays out right here, he says, we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. That's not a phrase I like to hear. We share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. It's the reality of life in a fallen world. It's a broken place. It's a sinful place. But no matter how great the affliction, it never outweighs the comfort we receive from God. When God provides comfort in our pain and strength in our weakness, it does two things. It produces patient endurance and it gives us the ability to extend the same comfort and strength to other people. Endurance isn't willpower. It's not, it's not this power of positive thinking where we convince ourselves that, that things aren't as bad as they seem um, or, or that we can overcome our difficulties if we just put our mind to it. it, it endurance means that we trust in God's power. We trust in God's promises uh, in the middle of difficult times. Endurance means don't give up. That's all it is. It means we don't give up. God comforts us so we can keep putting one foot in front of the other as we follow him. That's endurance. It's not this flashy, crazy miracle thing. It's the everyday get yourself up out of bed and put one foot in front of the other and follow Jesus today. That's endurance. 1 Corinthians ten thirteen promises, I love this promise, promises no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, see this doesn't promise God won't let you be tempted at all, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. You hear that, you see that? Endure it. Not escape it, not avoid it. He provides a way out so you can endure it. So you can keep putting one foot in front of the other as you follow Jesus until you come out on the other side of that valley of the shadow of death. You can endure it. If you're going through something difficult, the way out might not be this immediate miraculous rescue. Now, Steve's gonna come back next week and tell you a story from the book of Acts where God shows up and immediately and miraculously rescues Peter, but that's not always what happens. It might not be this immediate miraculous rescue. And just like he did with Jesus in the desert, God provides a way out in order that we might persevere and grow, not just escape. God promises to strengthen us in our weakness, but the process of strengthening can be really painful. I used to play sports, I used to play football and basketball and soccer at various times when I was younger, and all three of those sports have something in common. The process of strengthening is painful. From off season weight room sessions and long runs to two a day practices and wind sprints in season, like strengthening your body to prepare for the season isn't easy. Uh, And even now, when I get inspired like twice a year to to get in shape and take up running again, I have to start all the way from the beginning. You know, like, man, I remember back in the day when I used to run a 5K and I go out there and I run like 10 feet and I'm like falling on the ground and wheezing, right? I don't just go out and run 10 miles. I have to go through a painful strengthening process to get ready for longer runs. And sometimes that's what it looks like when God strengthens us. He wants to provide comfort and strength in our pain and our weakness, but sometimes that means letting us go through hard things to make us stronger. And when we're suffering, we can be sure that God will either deliver us from it to show his power and increase our faith, or he'll give us the strength that we need to endure it and rely on him through it. And Paul says that it's God's identity. He's the father of compassion and the God of all comfort. And his actions bring us comfort in all of our troubles. But God's comfort isn't for us alone. Verse 4, right here in 2 Corinthians 1, is clear. That God comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. God comforts us so we have the ability to share his comfort and his strength with others no matter what they might be going through. But how? How do we do that? How do you share the comfort you've experienced from God with a friend or with a family member who's going through hard times? Well, I'm going to land today with four ways. Four ways that I think that you can do this. One way you can share strength and comfort is by sharing your own story. This is important sharing your own story of God's strength and God's comfort in your life. The church needs to hear more stories of how God comes through in the lives of his people. If God has delivered you from addiction, tell people about it. If God's walked alongside you through emotional pain, don't keep it to yourself. We comfort and strengthen one another when we come out of the shadows and share stories of the ways God has comforted us and strengthened us in our lives. Another way, as I look through, as I look through the, 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 these, these stories in scripture of angels showing up, another way you can share God's comfort is by providing for someone's physical needs. At the end of 40 days in the desert, Jesus needed food and God sent angels to take care of him. And you might be in a position to strengthen and encourage someone in the same way. You might be in a position where you can provide food for someone who's hungry or medicine for someone who's sick or financial assistance for someone who's out of work. It can be a great comfort to know that there's someone out there who cares enough about me to know my need and help take care of it. That can be a great comfort. Now, sometimes the best comfort we can provide each other is just to be present in the pain. In the story of Job, his three friends show up, uh, and they want to help him, but they don't really know how, and so Job tells us they sat with him for seven days and seven nights. They just sat there for a whole week. I'm like, what the heck, friends of Job? Come on, can't you be more useful? But I'm willing to bet, after reading the whole book of Job and hearing what comes out of their mouth when they try to be useful, I'm willing to bet that the week that they sat with Job in silence was way more helpful than anything they said to him afterwards. Sometimes just showing up to be present with someone in their pain is the best comfort you can provide. Don't just brush people off. When people come to you and open up to you about something they need, a way to pray for them, don't just brush them off. You know, if you, a lot of, we do this. We say, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you. And, and, and we do. I mean, hopefully we do pray for them. But, but go, go further. Go pray for them like you promised, but find ways to be around them in the midst of what they're going through. Don't just leave them in isolation. Come alongside them. That's how God comforts you. He promises to walk with you through the hard times. People need you to do the same thing for them. Walk with people. Ultimately, comforting and strengthening one another just means this. It just means that we depend on God together. That's a simple picture of what it means to be part of a church. It's a group of people living real lives in a broken world, people who make mistakes and people who don't always treat each other all that well, but people who are committed to learning to trust God together, and we don't have to wait for an angel to show up from heaven to experience strength and comfort from God. God has called the church to take on that role in the world. God has called the church to provide strength and comfort for one another. God wants to provide strength in our weakness and comfort in our pain and his main strategies for doing that are the Holy Spirit living inside of us and the body of Christ living around us. All the comfort that you need, all the strength that you need from God is available to you by trusting God inside you and God's people around you. You don't need to wait for some miraculous angelic deliverance to get comfort and strength from God this morning. You can trust the Spirit living inside of you and God's people living around you. Let's pray. God, we need comfort. We need your comfort. We need your strength. Life is difficult. We all experience pain. We all find ourselves in moments of weakness. God, I just pray that you would give us the strength and the wisdom to turn toward you instead of away. God, help us to trust in you to provide the things that we need. It's in Jesus' name, amen.